Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Okay, Mark, could you sing for us? La, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Is that good? Yeah, it's my second career. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 369, Be a Builder as a Small Firm Architect with Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors. FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work you love. Gusto, the easy online payroll and benefit service built for modern small businesses like ours. In other words, it's a people platform. And RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information CAD details, BIM specifications, and so much more, all for free. Thanks to FreshBooks and Gusto and RCAT for supporting Entree Architect and the Entree Architect community of small firm architects. Alex Gore and Lance Psycho, welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. It is great to see you and talk to you again, Mark. Yeah, great to be back. It's it's great to have you guys. I, I love following you. I love watching what you're doing. I love the progress you're making. Um, 
let me share for anybody who may not know who you are, which is unlikely. If you're listening to this podcast, they probably know who you are. But Alex Gore and Lance Psycho are co-founders of the wildly successful architecture and construction firms F9 Productions and F12 Productions, and they're based in Longmont, Colorado. They teach at the University of Colorado. They co-host one of my favorite podcasts, Inside the Firm Podcast. Um, Alex and Lance, welcome back. Welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you. It, it, it feels like home because if anyone does listen to our podcast too, the amount that we mentioned, the Entree Architect community is is heavy and, and maybe borderline ridiculous. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think last episode or the episode before on our show, uh, we just went, I just went through the community and found questions that were really mm -hmm. interesting and we didn't name names. We never really do. And then, uh, and then I asked Alex those. And so that was a really good Q and A. Um, and, and I'm sure people, you know, cause some people, you don't see everything that's posted in social media. So, um, yeah, we love everything that Mark has built with the Ontario community. I don't think we'd be podcasting if it wasn't for Mark, you're very inspirational on, on that note. Um, so we're, we're thrilled to be back here. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad I inspired you because it's a fantastic podcast. Um, I appreciate you both for being so active in the community and, and, and you being engaged over there. Uh, you've been here in the podcast before, episode 158, Getting Noticed Through Fun Projects. You're talking about your, your strategy of doing um, unbuilt work and designing cool projects and getting them noticed out in, in when using PR and getting published and those leading to real projects. And so it, that's an exciting episode, 158. Uh, and then Alex joined me inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group for a live video podcast back in episode 190. Uh, where we just jumped on and talked about what we were doing. Um, and so you can go back and listen to both of those. And you've joined us several times as experts inside the Entree Architect Academy for our live monthly expert training sessions. And so you've taught for the Entree Architect community. Um, you've shared your origin stories several times, so we're not going to do that today. Uh, I highly recommend anybody who wants to understand where Alex and Lance have, have started their origin story, how they got to where they are. Go back to insidethefirmpodcast.com. Go all the way down to the very bottom of their scroll and start at episode one. Listen to episode one and then listen all the way through and you'll hear their entire journey. Um, it's a great podcast and you should definitely start at one and, and work your way through all of them. Um, so no origin story today. But you've been here before. I want to um, give us an update. F9 Productions is your architecture firm. You recently launched F12 Productions, uh, your construction company. So before we jump into either of those, I want to acknowledge the names. Can you just share where the names come from so everybody understands? Oh. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. One, one thing to clarify too, Mark, is F12 was basically just an LLC for the development. So F14 Got it. is okay. our fully operating construction arm. Yeah, go ahead. And F9 started um, because we, we couldn't think of a name. I remember I was in New York at the time. And Lance is like, what should be the name? Um, and him and some other guys at school always had the joke, and myself too, F9 is the render key for uh, 3D <laughs> Studio Max back in the day. So when, when Lance was kind of kicking this off, it was all unbuilt work. So it was all F9 productions. Um, all rendering productions. We have had some people confuse it and think we're a, like a TV studio right. somehow. Yeah. Um, but then from there, every, you know, for legal reasons and, and just to separate entities 
you know, F9 was one, and then we had F10, F11, F12, which is the development. F13 is a total skip to sidestep that landmine. And then F14 <laughs> is the, the construction company. So you didn't, after after F12, you didn't want to, you know, tempt fate and do F13. Jump. Jumped right yeah. over F13, said, we'll just leave that over there and we'll go right to F14. I think that was a wise yeah. decision. We, we do have our superstitions. So <laughs> yeah. there you go. Uh, since you've been here last time, you did, you just mentioned you, you did a development project. So you did a full development project. That's how long you've been here. You haven't been here uh, on the show is that you were here before you started that project. And now that project is finished. Um, why don't you give us an update a little bit, just sort of timeline wise. Uh, architecture firm to development firm, now construction firm. Just give us sort of a background on the firm and and those steps and why you've chosen to make those steps. Yep, um, I'll start off and then, and then pass it to Lance. So we're your traditional architecture firm doing all architecture work. The only thing probably different is if the podcast you mentioned, we talked about fun work. And a lot of that was F9 productions, meaning a rendering or something like that. But one year we decided to tell a TV, uh, HGTV that, yeah, we were in fact building a tiny house. And then they called us on our bluff um, and said, great, <laughs> we're gonna come and film you. And we're like, okay, let's set this up for real now instead of just faking it. So we built that and then a uh, Fortune 500 company came and saw that and, and said, hey, we want ones bigger, better, you know, foldable hydro, uh, hydraulics, you know, sky decks, folding railings, folding stairs, all that. And we said, yes, we can do that too. Um, and then we took that, that money from those builds and then bought a piece of land and, and, and started taking our construction knowledge that not only did we have through those, uh, you know, those couple builds, but, you know, for me and the Army National Guard uh, building stuff, Lance from when he was 15, being in the field and in all sorts of different areas, us from just CA work from these projects that we've done as architects, and then decided that we were going to try our, our own developer builder project. Yeah. So we started that project in, we bought the land in 2017. We started going through the, it took about a, a little over a year to go through the permitting process. Uh, so in 2018, we, we finished that. Um, we got, we got financed um, in 2019 and then started building at the end of 2019 and then went through, is that right? Or is it 2018 we started building? Time flies. I think 2018, 20, at the end of 2018, we broke ground. Then, then throughout 2019, we uh, co commenced construction. Um, we finished the last, uh, we finished most of the units at the end of 2019, at the beginning of 2020. Yeah, because in the pandemic, at the and then uh, one of, we finished the very last unit in March of 2020, sold that. We sold that unit right around mid-March of 2020. And if anybody listens to our show, they know that I'm a big um, proponent of, um, of uh, Austrian economics, and I believe in the business, the boom and bust cycle. And I had been predicting that we started coming out of that, we started booming again in 2013, in Colorado anyway. And then in seven years, it's cyclical, just like drought season. And, and moisture season that in 2020, something big is gonna happen. And sure enough, we sold our last unit. And I even posted on social media back when I was active on social media, like it's this chart of the Dow Jones industrial average. The date we sold the last unit 
was that it was at its peak. And then there was that giant three, four day sell-off, you know, where the market like crashed several times over 10%. Um, so after we were done with the development, you know, it was, uh, it was, um, it was taxing on us time-wise uh, because it just ended up being that way to such. And then, and then once you finally finished that whole cycle, you really saw like, okay, what is the rate of return on something like this? Was it worth in, Was it worth all the time and effort we had to put into it as far as just profit goes? And the idea was that we were going to, hey, oh yeah, you know, let's do it like all of our other developer friends. They they did a fix and flip, then they moved to a duplex, triplex, sixplex. You know, we keep going. We even targeted the piece of land to the south of us, uh, which is just adjacent to our office. We're, we're sitting in a development right now. Um, in our headquarters, and we came to the conclusion that it made zero sense. <laughs> what, yeah, what we spent the last three years doing for us as, it, as a strategy did not make sense. Yeah. Meaning you put in a whole bunch of time and money. And if we were extremely wealthy um, and had a whole bunch of cash reserves, I think then it's strategically different because you have to utilize those cash reserves on a more on a bigger scale, mm -hmm. but if you're not at that bigger scale and you're putting in all those cash reserves in that time, and then at the risk of what the market's going to be at three years, and then sell it at three years, you have to know if that's worth it or not. Um, I'm glad that we did it. One, you kind of have to say that no matter what you do in life, you have to say, <laughs> "I'm glad I I made the wrong decision." And glad, glad, glad I married. Glad I married my first wife. Yeah. <laughs> made my second wife more happy. <laughs> now I know how to appreciate it, my second wife. Yeah. So I understand that that is semi, uh, you know, a, a, a cop-out answer, but I think we just pivoted. We pivoted because we are still glad, you know, we have this building when we talk to potential clients and they don't realize from the website that we built this, it just lends more credibility to what we do, lends more confidence to what we do. We can make decisions more clearly um, and all that. But then when we're looking at the landscape is that instead of taking that three year kind of leap of faith and, and effort is why don't we go smaller instead of going from, you know, a, a 12 plex now, Hey, let's do a 24 plex because that's what we were talking about. Now let's just, you know, right. leap, leap up. And then after that, you'll do 48 plex, all, all that. And then we said, no, let's, let's see if we can turn our existing architecture clients into construction clients because the feedback loop is that so much shorter. Not only do they already have it secured, the, you know, the finance is secured to do it. So it, it, it's a guaranteed project. So the risk goes lower, but then you also reduce the risk because essentially you get to vet them through the architecture process mm -hmm. and you don't offer those services. If it turns out to be for whatever reason, there's multiple different reasons that you can judge do a matrix basically in your head of, of why you want to or don't want to. Um, and that can eliminate a lot of risk too. So the reward is high and the risk is, is, is reduced. And then if you do multiple of those, you know, the, the math wasn't, I'm not sure this is a good math, but you know, a rule of thumb is this is an eight plex will be just as profitable on doing four single family, you know, things than doing eight multi-units and the risk is much lower. So why not step that way? What would you say would is you say your biggest surprise as a developer? You know, you, you thought you, this would 
you had plans prior to the development. Now that development is, is complete and you're looking back at it, what was the biggest surprise, either good or bad? Um, the develop, the biggest surprise, because there's two questions in there. Well, there's a side question. What's the biggest surprise as a contractor is different than what's okay. as, a, as a developer. Yeah. The developer was, it's easier than you think. Meaning it's, it's a lot of people in this podcast can draw, they can plan, they can think they have the skills. You know, if you're running a business, you at least have some business sense. Once you realize that there's private money instead of, you know, just only bank money, oh, you can get money to do your project, whether it's smart or not, (laughs) that's a different story, but, but, but you can do it. Someone will loan you multiple millions of dollars. You know, whether you mess that up or not, you know, um, or, or whether you make enough or not is a different thing. So that was my biggest surprise as a developer. So the money is there you, is the biggest surprise that because that, that really seems to be the biggest challenge that most architects think they have in front of them. I want to be a developer, but I don't have the um, money. Right. And, and so once th- you. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. that's a great point. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And once you prove, once you, once you take out a multi-million dollar loan or whatever, a, a giant loan, your big, the biggest loan you'll ever take out in your life, and you go through the cycle and you, and you, and you pay it off, the amount of, the amount of opportunity that that is after that is, uh, I wouldn't say it's unlimited, but it's certainly larger than what, you know, if you started from a little pond, now all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, a little one acre pond that you have availability to catch these, catch these cash fish. And all of a sudden you have, you know, you're at like a thousand acre pond after that or lake rather, <clears throat> and then it just keeps expanding. So, um, that, that, that's been surprising and super helpful. Um, because that is the biggest hurdle that everybody, that everybody right. thinks about. So, so what about yeah. from the construction side, what's the biggest surprise from the construction side after the development? Oh, here's, I've got it. Okay. I'll get it. So, and maybe this is where the, you know, the kind of transition happens from developer to, uh, contractor, right? Since we're talking about that is when we pivoted, then what we did is we hired, um, we already had a lot of the architects came out and and helped with some hands-on stuff. I was doing hands-on stuff. Uh, But then we basically had two, two gentlemen that um, were not architects. Right. And so one was not even trained in really any, he was trained in audio visual stuff. He used to make movies. And then the other guy, was an industrial designer, but they really liked construction and they want to continue. And then when we made that pivot, so we have those two, we have those two guys. And then now we added one more. So we have a three man construction crew in-house. Um, they, they do, they can now do, especially after this week, they can do every single, um, carpentry level trade task, except for foundations and, 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 and ground up framing. They can do interior framing, but, the biggest surprise from that is I did not expect uh, the blue collar folks to be so drastically different psychologically and management wise than the architects. The architects that we've managed and have in our firm that um, are employees, they can work autonomous. They work autonomously. Um, they, they don't, they're not working in teams that often. But the construction crew is working in a team every time. There's a lot of personality. There's a lot of it's just a different, it's just a different animal. So honestly, we Alex and I are trying to figure out the best management procedures now for this new company and this different set of folks that are working for us. 
we're literally in the middle of trying to under, really understand how how to do it properly because it is a completely different animal. Right. And I think this is maybe why it surprised us. So think about architecture school. Every single class, studio class, is, or actually other class, here is a problem, you solve it. Here is a problem, you solve it. Here's a problem, you solve it. Here's a problem, you solve it. Now think if you are in the construction world, you start off, let's say you start off at 18, 16, whatever. Here's what to do. Here's what to do. Here's yeah, what to do. That's very Here's what to do. Yep. Oh, there's a problem. Oh, you probably caused the problem or sit there and wait until someone tells you what to do. That is drastically different than four years of throwing problems and then you coming up with solutions. Right. So like, it's not a surprise to an architect that there's a problem. <laughs> like, that's yeah, what do you, what our do you job is, we, we know every day our job is to solve problems. Design, yeah. Literally every single thing we're doing is, 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 is dealing with a problem, especially when you go into permitting and you're dealing with the government bureaucrats. I mean, geez, that's, that's all. I mean, it's just every day you're grinding against that. The other thing too, I think um, that Alex forgot to mention is critiques. So you go through architecture and design school, four to five years, six years, depending on where you go. You go through some brutal critiques. So you, you are prepared mentally for criticism. You are prepared for some of the harshest criticism you'll ever have in your life. I don't know how it even compares to the army. I don't know if it's worse oh, they, or the same or in the school, they don't physically yell verbal assaults at you. But okay, but but, but the mental <laughs> damage is certainly there for sure. I mean, I remember see I see people crying, guys and girls, in and when at our school. So that they are not prepared in that way. And I just it's it's honestly our fault for not, you know, we pride ourselves in taking one of our principles of F9 is to take extreme ownership. So we're trying to take extreme ownership of this now and go like, oh crap. I mean, we're blindsided by it, whatever. Now we got to solve, now we have to solve this problem of how to manage these folks with very strong personalities and, and those other things that we talked about that you, they just weren't equipped with. Cause that's just not, it's just not who they are, how they were trained, et cetera. Yeah. That's yeah. super interesting. Massive mindset differences, right? The architect is trained to be a problem solver. A contractor is trained to, to, to follow directions, right? They're handed drawings. They go build what they're told to, to build, right? And they have their own ways of doing it, but they're 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 not there to problem solve. They're there to execute. Um, so how are you addressing that now that you have that situation, right? You you are architects. You you understand how to run a successful architecture firm. Now you've launched a construction company and you have experience in construction, but you don't have experience in building a construction company and managing people in that construction company. So now you have to do this all over again and build a new company. So what is the strategy now that you're in it and you're probably in the midst of it now? So what is your strategy for, for building out the systems that are required to make that work? It's teaching, there's, there's multiple different strategies, but this is one that um, I'm implementing in the meantime and, and making more clear in, in the next coming week. And it's the, the where's Waldo strategy, hmm. right? So, I had a conversation on the weekend on a, on a Sunday. It was between me, um, an older gentleman that on the construction crew that knew what he was doing, some younger guys, and the, the owner. So four people there, right? And that's, this is just a small project, but everyone's, a lot of people have been on projects where it's you as the architect or the, or the project manager, a contractor, the owner, and a sub, right? Four people, four opinions. And all I do 
a lot of the time is try to decipher who has the answer, right? Who has the answer? Someone has the answer. And then com and use communication skills to tease out that answer and then get everyone to agree on the answer, right? So even if I, if I don't even know the answer, you can be a judge, you know, rationally like, hey, does that work? Does that conflict with anything? You know, what are the goals? Like, if you have that sort of semi-matrix in, in your head that that's where you're going at, and then know that you're, you need to tease this out, this answer out, and then communicate it to everyone, that's the skill that, that you need to pass. And, and maybe what architects don't know, like that's the skill you probably already do that you don't know is maybe a valuable skill, right? Um, and then the second one too is, so when you're uh, going to a project, there will be things that Lance and I know how to do. Hey, do it like this, do it like this. But then when a problem comes off up and you do have the time, and you don't have to immediately like do a solution. Just ask them, oh, what would you do? Mm -hmm. You know, what would you do? And one of the things that hit one of our foremans, and this is, this isn't a big swear word. I don't know if I can say the S-H-I-T word on yeah. your podcast yeah. or not, but. No, well, with warning, so he, it's coming. Yeah, he kept asking me like, you know, hey, how do we do this? And I go, okay, you need to think about the concept of, of structure. Structure, all you're doing is stacking shit on top of other shit. And it took him a year to go like, yeah, that's all we're doing. Layers. How are we stacking this? In, you know, you're talking sub language. How are you talking? How are you stacking this shit on top of other shit so it doesn't fall over? That's what you're doing. Um, and if you see stuff that's not stacked on or there's nothing underneath, like there is cause for concern, you know. Um, but but then it's, it's in those moments asking them. And then it, it's just like the professor. Um, it's, it's funny. It's funny because a lot of professors will do this, you know, ask you and then they think through and explain. Almost when we teach architecture, we almost do the opposite it, because there's so many professors that will just sit there with a student and they'll think about something for like literally 15 minutes in a critique, 10 minutes. They have so much of that in school. In school, we do the opposite. <laughs> it's like, hey, here's your problem. Here's where we think the solution is. Here's why we think that is a solution that links to what we talked earlier. Does that make sense? And I go, yeah, you know. Um, so, so it's weird that we've almost kind of flip-flopped in, in, in construction, we're using the architecture side. And then in, in architecture, we're bringing the construction side. Yeah, so go ahead. There's, go ahead. there's, there's, there's two things that, so Alex is working. You obviously know, Martha, we work in tandem and, but in different ways, right, Alex? And well, I, explain so that so for people who don't understand. Oh, okay. So we're, we are equal partners at the firm. And then we have an open studio at F9 and we have an open studio environment. Um, and everyone, I basically have three or four folks um, underneath me. And then Alex has three or four folks underneath him. We do interchange and there is some um, permeability that that happens and stuff like that where people help out on other things. But we play off of each other with I think the dynamics of our personality, right? So um, I am, Alex will admit it, he's done it several times this week, like Lance is more efficient, he will get things done A to B. And when I talk to Lance, I know that I know that I'm, I need, I need to basically like rapid fire questions, answers, that's, that's what we're gonna go for. Alex is more big picture, um, more story brand type, type of thinking. Um, and with, I don't, and then it, sometimes he's a good cop, sometimes he's a bad cop. 
depending on the client and the personalities. And, and we try to just sort it out that way. So one thing I'm doing on my end is, which is very A to B, uh, it's very A type is <clears throat> we have, I, I mentioned this earlier that our guys can do almost everything except for, you know, foundations and tilt up um, framing walls and stuff. And they'll get, they'll get there with the tilt up walls, probably never concrete, but we've, we've had them do almost every single task. And one thing I'm going to do, I just haven't even told Alex about, but I'll tell him now is put together a checklist, put together a list rather of, and I want to have all of our, all of our construction folks on their own time rank on a scale of one to five siding. One, do you hate it? Five, do you love it? And see where they're at with all those tasks and then try to match them up with those tasks and minimize the ones they hate and, and play to that card. The other thing is, so we are, they're drywall, they're, they're finishing drywall on one project right now. We have two two-man crews right now. Um, they're finishing drywall down in Denver. They're working on one up in Longmont, which is north of, north of Denver for nobody, for anybody who doesn't know. And then they're going to move to my basement and finish my basement. And the crews are going to come together. And one thing I want to establish and use it as a teaching moment is I have, I have done every part of construction. Um, like Alex said, starting at, at 13. So I know what it's like to work with a, a crew of three people. So the example I want to give, it, the drywall is perfect for this teaching uh, strategy that I'm going to employ in about two weeks when they go over there and start hanging sheetrock is, guys, I know that there's three parts to how this works. And there's, there's a cut man, then at who's taking measurements, staying ahead of everybody, cutting the sheets, putting them in place, put, just like laying them up against the wall. And then there's a two man, two people are put it up, one person holds it in place, one person uh, zips it, you know, puts a few screws in just so it's tacked. And then they're both screwing off and moving ahead and, and chugging along in that way. There's so many different versions of that uh, in construction. Siding is another example, right? There's a cut man, you need two people to hold up the siding. It goes like this. And trying to figure out who, who is best suited for what task and then just assigning it to them and kind of flat out telling them like, this is, I, I know this is where you're suited. We've been through enough of these processes enough. I think, I think will help better. So, so it's really just trying to understand exactly the strengths and the weaknesses of, of each individual that you have in this, in, in a crew environment, in a team environment. It's just so, it's so drastically different than the architects. Um, that, that we work with because even when they're doing there it, it, it's it, you can't it's like apples to oranges as far as the tasks goes like I can't think of a good example of um, a team situation in the firm and the architecture side of things where you could instantly delegate that kind of stuff like that the sequence of cut men or whatever um, we are working on a giant project right now it's huge for us. It was the biggest one we, we landed so far um, in, in Northern Colorado. And I've, I've assembled a four person team, but it's still, we're not all working at the, we're not all working on the same building or, or project even at the same time. It's sort of a, a domino sequence effect, way different than real time, three people, one task. Yep. And also too, I think uh, a, a skill that you just need to make sure that you translate is to be sure of the scope and how much leniency that they have. So for example, in architecture, Hey, here's a, 
I, I might sketch a floor plan and give it to a lower person. And I might say, make this in reality, this sketch as close as possible, you know, with dimensions with, with our standards, right? Or I might say, hey, here's a sketch. It's more of a concept. See if it works. Put your own ideas in, into it, right? Two, two different levels of variabilities. The first one, I, I'm looking, hey, I, you know, this is spot on. I know what the client wants. I want you to execute. The second one is, here's a concept. Use your skills and, and make it work. The same thing true happens with a construction crew. Um, stairs and a retaining wall. I can literally detail out everything. Or if they have enough skill, hey, the stairs need to go from here to there. And then you need to make a retaining wall to you know, hold up the ground. You go for it. Just literally, and they'll like, you have leniency to, to make it happen. They need to know that. They need to know, am, am I just following exactly? Or can I make my own decisions? Right. And that, um, you know that by working you know, with your crew, what you can go. We will return to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, FreshBooks, Gusto, and RCAT. There's a lot to love about being an entrepreneur architect, but trying to figure out our financials on our own? No, it's not one of them. Luckily, there's FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for businesses like ours. FreshBooks takes all the not-so-fun parts of running a business, from building and tracking invoices to organizing expenses to managing online payments, takes all of that and automates it and simplifies it, saving you up to 11 hours a week in the process. FreshBooks has your back at tax time, too. With a ton of reports to choose from, you'll know exactly where your business stands, and you can easily hand the keys off to your accountant so they can take over when it's time to reconcile everything for the year. So try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. No credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com architect and enter Entree Architect in the how did you hear about us section so they know that you came from Entree Architect. That's freshbooks.com architect and let them know that you're a member of the Entree Architect community. Running an architecture business is hard. Endless to-do lists, employees to take care of, and your ever-present bottom line. So first of all, kudos to you for staying on top of all of it. And as a listener of the Entree Architect podcast, by now you already know about our friends at Gusto. Gusto built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll, benefits, and more. They help over 100,000 businesses with tasks like automated payroll tax filing, simple direct deposits, free health insurance administration, 401ks, onboarding tools, you name it, Gusto made it easy. And they really care about the small business owners they work with. Their support team is attentive and helpful. And since money can be tight right now, you'll even get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com architect and start setting up your business today. And you'll see what I mean when I say easy. Again, that's three months of free payroll at gusto.com slash architect. You're going to love Gusto. Get started today at gusto.com slash architect. We are well underway here in 2021. 
And still, no word from most trade shows. We can't wait around for news on which event is proceeding, which is postponed again, and which are canceled. We still need our continuing education credits. And let's not wait until December like we did last year. Let's start planning right now. How are we going to get our 2021 continuing education credits? Our friends at RCAT can help. Along with manufacturer product information, specifications, CAD and BIM, all free by the way, RCAT also provides a list of over 150 manufacturers with accredited continuing education courses. Start earning those credits today at rcat.com CES. It's another free resource RCAT provides to make your life easier. Free continuing education credits. Available now at rcat.com slash CES. That's rcat.com slash CES. FreshBooks, Gusto, and RCAT. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. How do you decide which projects you take on as builders? Number one is proximity. Jonathan Segal, uh, uh, not the actor, but the architect at Reno's. <laughs> I do it every time. He, one of his rules of thumb that I just loved was uh, he said build, his I think is build within a 15 minute radius. Ours is a little bit bigger. I think it's probably because we're from the Midwest and we're okay with driving uh, 30 to 45 minutes away is sort of our radius at this point. Uh, but beyond that, we typically do not take projects outside of that radius. So that's that's a big one to sort of narrow stuff down. Um, and then the second one is, I think custom, either custom commercial or custom residential really speaks to us. Um, we do take some filler projects for here and there. Like there was a motel in town where Somebody, uh, somebody was intoxicated, they ran into it, and I kind of bailed out um, this, this couple uh, who owned the motel and helped them out for, for just a reasonable sort of uh, good vibe fee. There's another couple that we're working with right now to kind of help them finish out their ADU. But that one, that's in town. So like the little filler projects in town are, are super helpful. Um, that's, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Um, how the client communicates too. Hmm. You know, there's, uh, there's, there's some clients and, and actually it goes down to, I think it goes down to a principle of, of, you know, trust, right? Um, if a client can generally communicate, Hey, we want this to happen. We want this to happen. And you can make that execute and, and you are both on the same vision, right? That says that, Hey, through the rest of the process, that communication will, will probably work out. There's other ones. And, and, and it might not even be them. It might be, it's not our style. You know, the, the amount of notes, the amount of details, the amount of, you know, hey, we're in schematic design, but they can't stop talking or thinking about, you know, like switches or outlets or, or something like that, because they need to be that detail oriented and, and stuff like that. And we have to segment our brain just because of the way we work. Someone else might be able to, to handle that, that type of personality differently. Um, but we'd see, man, we, we might be on a job site pouring foundations and they might be saying we need to, you know, we need to uh, get the fan. We need to really focus on the fans right now. And we're like, <laughs> under no circumstances are we focusing on the fans right now. Yeah. Concrete is being, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, 
so that that's that's the other thing too so you so you don't accept every project as a construction project so how do you how do you say no oh it's not even offered we are architecture first it's architect plus builder if it works out when if the architecture is a separate distinct just like every other architecture service um if they go to someone else it's totally fine it, it we aren't robbing peter to pay paul we aren't trying to rope them into architect builder and then you know like oh we can lower our architecture fees because we'll make right. it up on the builder mm. side and then you know if things go wrong then all of a sudden you feel like you didn't make your money because they went somewhere else and just that doesn't that doesn't work out we 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 feel like some architect plus builders compete on that they compete on hey we know construction costs but also because we are so good too like the architecture plans can be like they don't say that right right i think you meant design build design build yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. they don't they don't say it like that but like that's what i see happen you know and that maybe that's just us feeling the need to also i wouldn't say make stuff up but uh invent language that uh gets us into a comfortable place psychologically but i we had to i think get to that area and say we're not design build like we're architect plus builder right and right. when you add the plus builder it's like okay then we'll you know not, not that you should be lucky that we're building your building but that is in a plus service that we will add to it and it is an extra care and craft that we add to the whole project once we are the builder simply because of the detailing you know that's one of the big parts that i think we offer and it really comes full circle when you think about the tiny houses that we first built and how precise they had to be because they folded in so many different ways literally the roofs and the walls and the railings and and all the rest and how precise we had to be with everything like that it was an architect could draw it sure but you needed to add that plus builder part to it to yep. get to that level of uh, precision. And and it's worked out great in the sense of we don't have to take on every project, but then there's some like really, really cool architecture projects. And I'll almost be nervous because I, you know, I want to build it and I'll broach this uh, subject, you know, in design development or something like that. And I've had it had a couple of times like, oh yeah, we just assumed you would, you know, like we just, <laughs> <laughs> right. We so it's like something super awesome. Like, yeah, we already had the assumption that 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 you would do it. So that's always fun. So, do you ever compete? Do you ever comp- bid bid compete with other contractors? Do you have to bid against other contractors when you're building, or is it just established that if we're going to build it, then you're working with us, and that's how it works? Uh, let me speak to the commercial side of that, and then Alex can talk about the residential side. Uh, so, <laughs> here's you go. Here's another surprise. There was. Um, a coffee shop, coffee shop slash chiropractor shop in town. Perfect, perfect kind of um, clientele we were looking for. It was, it was going to be a project we uh, was very chic. It would, it would, it would be kind of a landmark in the area, uh, higher profile than your average uh, tenant finish. And then there's also this um, dog grooming, uh, four thousand square foot. Again, very chic. Uh, everybody would know it. It's kind of a franchise that's being brought down from Montana. Super cool stuff. Really like the client. We, I acted as, um, we were the architects first and then, you know, okay, let's, uh, would you guys, they, they picked us because they said, you guys can also build it. So we're very interested in you guys possibly being the contractor. And uh, for both projects, even though the owner did not want to 
have competing bids because I flat out told them is that, look, here's our fee. Um, it's a percentage basis. It's open book. They really like the idea of that they see every single dime, nickel, um, where everything's going. If they if they don't trust the original plumber's bid that we sent out, fine, we'll do another one. We'll do three, three of them, maybe even four, you know, and then just to kind of prove the point that like that was the best quote. We Those guys are the best. What it came down to for the commercial uh, projects is that because it's commercial lending, that uh, we had to compete with other contractors because the banks demanded it. So the banks needed to see the and the developers actually. So in um, one of the units or one of the projects, the developers demanded that we have competing bids with the other contractors for that just to hold everybody kind of accountable so that one person wasn't gouging just because they could, because they right. sort of created this little, little private monopoly for themselves. So that has been um, a bit, that has been a one I just did not expect to see, but it literally comes down to financing and checks and checking the boxes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What about um, residential? Residential? Typically, no, typically it, it's not competed. It's just, and one, the, what we're making very important in this firm is to always be extremely fair and transparent because we never want to lose that trust where someone just doesn't say, yes, we want to go with you. So we will build up a history just like in our architecture practice of clients going, yeah, they're always fair and transparent. Um, and, and that's obviously the, the way to, to always operate, but some people, you know, Rob, Peter, to pay Paul, all these other things, um, but we find that that works out in the end. There was one project that um, the client I knew wanted multiple bids and stuff like that. So I literally stepped back and just let all that happen and, and, and just assisted, you know, he'd ask questions, stuff like that. And then after, then he realized he didn't like the, these other ones weren't working for certain reasons, came back and yeah. then I stepped forward. <laughs> so um, it worked out, it worked out that way. Um, I kind of took myself out of the fray uh, for a second and ended up kind of getting it anyways. So you've obviously learned a lot being an architect, do, going through the development pro project, now executing on construction, uh, you know, working as a builder now, so working as architect to builder. Um, one of the strategies that you guys have done throughout the history of your careers uh, is to develop uh, courses based on the things that you are excellent at and can teach others. You're always sharing, you, you know, we see that in the Entree Architect community, you're always sharing, uh, with the podcast, it's always sharing. It's part of your strategy, it's part of who you are as people. Uh, and so you've you develop Revit Rocketship for Revit, so if anybody wants to learn how to, to, uh, to, to, to execute efficiently using Revit, go to revitrocketship.com. And now you have a new course called Architect to Builder. Uh, can you talk a, about that a little bit? What is Architect to Builder and, and how people get, uh, and who's it for really also? So what is it and who's yeah. it? So it, it, it's for, it's literally for architects that want to transition and become builder. And it's our lessons learned from regular projects and multifamily projects. Um, we have had some own, homeowners buy it too, just mm -hmm. because they want to build. Um, so So that's cool. But when we said, you know, we wouldn't necessarily do the architect developer builder, 
Um, that's, I mean, we say that in half truth, meaning like, okay, maybe we won't be the developer, but we might be the builder because there's all these lessons that we learned that are, that are in, in the course. So there's, there's basically we, we walk through, you know, how to set up a project for success, kind of sort of like what we were talking about, but more nitty gritty, more like the, the actual timeframes, the actual, what to say, the actual, how to set up a project, the actual numbers for, you know, certain budget items, right. How to get that. All, all working and then how to manage that project, right? So even that big project, when we were talking to a, we, we know a bunch of builders. So we talked to a bunch of builders before this course, you know, we really examined it. And one thing that we learned was essentially that a lot of these people had a dad and uncle, a father, you know, in it or still in it. And what would have really helped us on that first huge build was if we would have done what we do in architecture, which was let's give them low expectation on the time of completion. Yes. <laughs> let's schedule things correctly and not overlap these certain items that are really going to bite us in the butt, right? Because becoming a builder not only <clears throat> really gives you security for your firm by projecting that into a future where an architecture project might be three to three months to 12 months. All of a sudden, if you're going to be a builder on that project too, you just extended it for an automatic 12 months. And it's different than architecture because architecture, they're paying out a capsule. And those projects can go away when financials go up and down and they can even pause. Once a project is funded, private or a bank, a project is funded, it is getting built. You are good to go for the next 12 months. So the financial security and the success is absolutely worth it. So we think that architects do so much work, knowing the project, knowing the client, knowing the site, working with the city. And the reward is on the other side. The reward is on the construction side. And there's so many, if you think about what you know as an architect, like you probably know design extremely well, right? Went to school. And you know a little bit about, or it depends a medium bit about codes, right? about city codes, about, you know, just a little bit enough to be dangerous about mechanical, electrical, plumbing, right? You know a little bit about construction sequence. You know a tiny bit about the means and methods, but there's this list of like 15 things where you have a strong skill in two, right? And you know a little bit about everything else. Think about a contractor. <laughs> he needs to know, he has those same 15 things. It's just his strong skills are in scheduling and construction sequence and a little bit to the how-to. He just needs to know a little bit of electrical, just a little bit of plumbing. Like he's not welding together the, the gas pipes or anything like that. If you've seen the boiler you know, room, um, I don't know how that, there's pipes all over the place. <laughs> you know, I don't know how that works, but I know when to schedule them, when to you know, do things like that. So it's literally just upping your skill in two other areas because you already have enough in the other 15 areas. And then all of a sudden you get that security, but then you get that, you get that security and that reward. So the course is about that potential, but then also, Hey, here's how not to lose money. Also, right. here's how, here's the pitfalls. Here's the negatives. Here's where things can go wrong. Let's save you money and then hopefully gain you money because we complain a lot as architects and the community complains a lot <laughs> as, as architects. There's all these other forces forcing us to do different things. So how can we take on the more responsibility for that bigger reward? 
because the the talent on like every time I look around at a, another architecture firm that I don't even know about um, because I remember in, in college, you know, trying to I literally would try to impress my friends that weren't in architecture like oh I work for Daniel Liebskin right. Oh, this other, and then this other person would be like, I work for SOM and I know SOM rocks, right? And all these other firms. And um, there's a bunch of firms that, that we can name off. To everyone else, it means nothing. 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 Right. Right. It means absolutely nothing because almost every firm I look to, they have awesome buildings. They have awesome skills. So I just want architects to take that over a little bit because here is the risk. And I see the risk because I work with developers too. Our, our firm works with developers. Testfit.io, I'm sure you talked to uh, Clayton. Um, uh, am I saying his name? He's gonna, Cliff. Uh, Cliff, Payne, Cliff Haynes. Cliff, Cliff Harness, he's gonna, he's gonna make fun of me. <laughs> Don't tell him to listen to this podcast. He was on the show. Anyways, yeah. I, I interviewed uh, him. The developers and the contractors that are offering land planning, that are offering design, the civil engineering firms that offer design and architecture services. And you can be a good architecture firm working in a civil engineer firm, that's fine. But what I'm saying is that if you don't expand or at least some architects expand, you are becoming more at the whim of the market than you driving the market, yeah. you being in control of the market. And there is, there are stuff to learn. There are thousands of dollars to save and thousands of dollars to profit. And we go, oh, we really took some of these on the chin. <laughs> and you don't need to take them on the chin. You know, it's not really necessary for you to take them on the chin. Yeah. So we put that all together too. And it's dual purpose. Because our firm, people in our firm is going to go through it. The guy that was filming it is on our construction field. He used to be, um, a, you know, a construction, uh, a film, film guy. And he's like, oh, so you guys do know how everything should go together. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's just sometimes things happen, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, that, that's what the course is about generally and, 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 and why we made it and, and who it's for. So it's, it's some, it's lessons learned from your experience, how to do it right. So they don't have to go through the same mistakes that you made. Um, how to make money at it, how to, it's a natural extension of what we're already doing. And this is how we can extend what we're doing as architects into uh, the next phase and have more control over the projects and how they, they uh, come out at the end. And, uh, and clearly it's also a great opportunity for marketing, right? So you've, you not only have designed it, but now you've built it and you're there with your client as you're building it, get full credit for that design uh, and that construction. There's so many opportunities when you have control over the construction process. And it helped even if you only did a couple. Let's say you only wanted to do one or two, let's just say houses. Let's say you wanted to do your own house. I think that's a perfect example yeah. every time. Yeah. The 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 confidence and that we get and from being able to say, oh, we've built this. Um, the the concept in my head is there, there's a lot of paper mines, right? We you read books, you know, but it, if, but they don't apply to reality. You know, it, it, a lot of people have a lot of thoughts on stuff, but it's all just, you know, paper knowledge. You haven't actually done it. Yeah. You know, once you take a book outside and it rains, you know, the paper falls apart. 
once you've been through that fire on a couple projects, your confidence in selling your architecture services are that much higher. And the trust that they have in you in at least those architecture services, I think makes that sales project process so much easier. So how do they, how do they join, join the course? How do they enroll in the course? Go, go to architects guide to, uh, T O, uh, not the, not, not, not the number, uh, you can scroll down, you can see, you know, everything that's in it. Um, if you use the, the promo code, I, uh, T E I wait, ITF, ITF, you'll get 10% off ITF, 10% off inside the firm ITF. Yep. 10, capital. 10% off. Yep. Capital ITF. Um, all right. Excellent. We'll send a bunch of people over there. I think it's a great course. I love what you guys are doing. Uh, before we wrap up here, I want to ask you both the one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow. It might be something that we just talked about. It might be some other thing that you, uh, you recommend they do business, personal, whatever it is. What's one thing they should do today to build a better business for tomorrow? So, so, um, I have two, one is if you haven't redone your website <laughs> and if it still looks like it's 10 years old, people can tell, and it makes a difference. And, and, uh, if it's not clear to navigate and easy, I there, I've been getting so many referrals, you know, just for, through the website. So that's like the immediate thing is to relook at your website. If you made it a long time ago, you can go to weebly.com. That's an easy drag and drop. You can figure it out yourself if you want to remake it, if you don't want to pay someone else, right? Um, and the second one, I mean, I don't know how else to say, but <laughs> think about architect to builder. Think about yeah. building something. Um, I know that's maybe a longer thing. So that's why I wanted to give a, both a short-term and a long-term. I think... Uh... This, this one, it comes from, and it might be totally out of left field or right field, That's but okay. I interviewed a wonderful gal a couple of weeks ago. She's going to be on the podcast. I think she's scheduled in a couple of weeks. Her name is Michelle Seiler Tucker. I would encourage everybody to go to SeilerTucker.com and find out how much their business is worth now. People talk about retirement a, a lot in the entree architect community and the architect community. You can't even, don't even, you, I don't even think it's worth thinking about until you find out how much your business is worth. So uh, she has this wonderful tool that you can just put in um, four different kinds of data points, um, your, your annual revenue, your expenses, um, if you own any real estate, like kind of like we do stuff like that, figure out how much your business is worth and then check out her book and maybe take her course. It's uh, her book is called Exit Rich. And we aren't, thinking about selling the firm right now, but we are trying to set it up such that there's an internal sell that'll happen. Meaning we have folks that are becoming licensed architects at our firm. We want to bring back the idea of company culture in the sense of loyalty and that we provide a path for our senior folks to get into those uh, junior and senior principal positions, maybe expand to another office in Denver and then, and then branch out from there. And I like to fish a lot. And, uh, that's one of my goals is to finally, I, I figured out, okay, that I know what I would do if I got to a semi-retirement or retirement level, life is very short. The pandemic taught me that over and over again, that it, it is so short. Um, you gotta, you gotta find happiness 
in that certain way. And the only way you're ever going to find it as a small business owner really is if you figure out your exit strategy and how you get to that point of happiness, right? So work hard, play hard, go to SylerTucker.com and find out how much your business is worth. It's a great idea. Great, great answers, both of you. Thank you for sharing those. Their names, Alex Gore, Lance Psycho. Their website for the architecture firm is F9Productions.com. Uh, the web, the podcast is inside the firm podcast.com. Go subscribe to that. Listen to every episode. They reveal everything. They like Alex was saying before, they are fully transparent. That podcast is essentially their executive business meeting. They come together at that podcast. They share what's happening at their architecture firm. They do strategy. They come, they, they reveal things to one another on, on the podcast. It's a great podcast. So go check it out inside the firm podcast. RevitRocketShip.com if you want to learn Revit uh, and the course for Builder, uh, Architect to Builder, Architect to Builder, uh, go to ArchitectsGuide2.com. We will have links to all of that on the show notes. Uh, Alex and Gore, I just, uh, Alex and Gore, Alex and Lance, um, I want to just take a minute here before we say goodbye um, to thank you. Thank you for uh, the podcast. Thank you for your your sharing of your knowledge. You were so transparent and so honest with what you do. Um, I'm so happy to to watch that progress, to follow the progress, and see the success that you're having both at the podcast and the architecture firm. Uh, the development, even though the development didn't go the way you expected it to go, it's it's exciting to see you do that and to see you ex, uh, explore that and learn the lessons from that. And now taking those lessons and leveraging it into doing construction, uh, it's exciting to watch you do that. Uh, and I thank you for that. I thank you for sharing your knowledge um, at the Entree Architect community, very active. And I do thank you very much. It does not go unnoticed how much you talk about the Entree Architect community on your podcast. And I, and I really appreciate that. That's a very important place for me. Uh, and I appreciate you pointing to it very often and, and getting the word out about that community. So thank you for doing that. Uh, and thank you for sharing your knowledge today at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you. As you know, uh, we appreciate everything you do in the whole community. Um, so we could say the same back. Uh, we think that you're really helping growing what everyone can do, right? And what everyone maybe should be doing and, and, and the mindset too of love, love, learn, share. So. Uh, we appreciate you and, and thank you for having us on. All right. Thanks, Mark. Very cool. Thanks, guys. This is episode 369. If you'd like to access the show notes or share this episode with a friend, the link is entrearchitect.com slash episode 369. That's also the link that you can share. You can share that with a friend, but you can also save that link for the future. If you ever want to Remember to come back to this episode because this is one of those episodes, hmm, maybe I'm thinking about uh, adding construction as a service to my architecture firm. This is the episode you want to come back to, right? Um, if you are considering adding a construction service to your architecture firm, take a look at Lance and Al's course, Architect 2 Builder. The website again is architectsguide2.com, architectsguide2.com. Uh, and it shares all the information you need to know about the course, how it works, uh, and a link to enroll, architectsguide2.com. Entree Architect is proud to be a partner of the largest, most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media. Oh, there's a good podcast coming. We've just, 
announced that BuildSmart with my friend Patrick McLamey, the former CEO of HOK, it's coming to Gable Media in April. April 12th is the launch. So go pop over to gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Uh, go check out the the uh, trailer that's sitting there for Build Smart. You can go to gablemedia.com. Build Smart's right there. Click the link. Listen to what's going to happen on this episode or on this show. This is going to be fantastic. I host uh, the show with Patrick. So Patrick is featured. It's his show. Uh, I'm his sidekick, and I'm answering, asking him questions, and he's telling us stories about HOK and the history of HOK and how HOK started, uh, how it grew, some crises that they've uh, that they encountered along the way. If any of you followed the history of HOK from the outside, as I have, I, you know, it's been one of my favorite firms for a very long time. To hear what was going on during the time where I thought things were going great, they weren't going so great on the inside. And this podcast is a tell-all, tells all the secrets. Um, it's a fantastic story from beginning to end. Patrick started there as a drafts person. It was their, his first job. He was a design associate uh, when they were like 25 people. And now there are hundreds of people. Um, and so well, I, maybe thousands. Somewhere along the line, they grew to be a very large firm. And Patrick went from the drafting table to CEO. He tells the entire story of HOK. So go subscribe to Build Smart with Patrick McLamey at gablemedia.com slash show slash buildsmart. You can just go to gablemedia.com, click the link for Build Smart, uh, and subscribe. It's going to be a show that you should uh, subscribe to. It is going, it's every episode is going to build upon the last one, uh, and you're going to want to hear this story from the beginning. So go subscribe right now at gablemedia.com, click the subscribe button, and don't miss a single episode of Build Smart with Patrick McLaney. Uh, and check out Entree Architect Academy, Academy membership. It's there waiting for you. If you're not a member, you should be. You should go check it out. We have ready-to-edit business resources, live monthly training. Every month we have an expert comes in, teaches us for 60 minutes. We have live Q&A, um, fantastic webinar sessions. Uh, we have a supportive architecture community on Slack. So if you're looking for a group of architects who are all determined to succeed and working together to do so, our Slack group is where you should be. And now we have Simple Systems, our new business system program developed for small firm entrepreneur architects. Simple System number three is coming out in the next week or two. Uh, it's free for members. So go check it out at Entree Architect Academy membership. You can join at entrearchitect.com slash join. How easy is that? EntreeArchitect.com slash join. My friends, be well. Be happy, healthy, safe, and secure. Thank you very much for listening today. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. 
where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long-term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.